whole circuit tables having to do with psychology and clinical mental health issues. We are continuing on the topic of trauma, and today I'm going to be focusing on generational trauma. Now, there are basically two kinds of generational traumas, one having to do with secrets and the other having to do with genetics and biology. So let's start with secrets. Now, many families have secrets. For whatever reason, whether it's a sense of shame in one generation or uh, just neglecting to pass on information, oftentimes these secrets will affect how family members behave. For example, uh, I knew a situation once where uh, an older gentleman was having some family problems uh, just with his older older siblings and in his relationship. And so uh, through discussion, it, it turned out that his mother, who displayed some narcissistic behaviors, uh, saw her own mother plunge to her death. Now, the woman who saw her mother plunge to her death at the time was nine years old. And if you remember back a couple of episodes, I described how sometimes narcissistic personality disorder is the result of some major attachment loss by a child between the ages of about five and 13. So uh, this woman, when she was a child, saw her mother die. And what happened to her is that she refused to ever talk about her mother. In fact, this gentleman didn't even know the name of his grandmother. Now, I know the names of all of my, you know, both of my grandmothers, and I know a lot of my family history. And there are things that could have been kept as secrets, such as uh, having grandparents and great-grandparents, etc., from the South, who at some point had slaves. Now, some families would keep that as a hidden, hidden um, idea, but others, it becomes more uh, known as part of the family history. In other cases, for example, uh, families will keep secrets within the family that everybody in the family, except for maybe one or two people in the family, children potentially, uh, just to su supposedly protect the family. For example, if say there was a situation where uh, a, a teenage child in the family gets um, a young woman pregnant and the decision is made that the couple, the young couple cannot really raise the child, the child may be brought into the family as and, and told that her, her or his mother is really, uh, would be the grandmother and that the father is really just an older brother. So the child has this family of, uh, a view of her, her or his family that uh, is not true. And then maybe other people in the community know the truth and all the other family members know the truth. And that knowledge can affect how that child is treated by the supposed parents who are really the grandparents and the supposed siblings who are aunts and uncles. And without having the knowledge that the child is really a grandchild, can have profound effects on that child as 
he or she's growing up because everybody else knows at, but the child doesn't. So those are a couple of situations where family secrets can create problems. And oftentimes these secrets will create ways of the family being because that's how they traditionally have maintained the secrecy. So for example, in a case where uh, the family in the past has been involved in nefarious actions. For example, if say somebody uh, migrated to the US from Germany and goes back and finds out actually uh, aunts and uh, great aunts and uncles were Nazi uh, sympathizers, but the person never knew that because the person's parents just didn't reveal that because that information could have caused uh, the family to be looked down upon and create shame in the family. So the family will develop certain ways of being and keeping those secrets from children as they grow up can result in a feeling of not being quite the same or similar to others because people tend to sense that there's something different about their families. So that's one way secrets come about and it can have a traumatic effect on family members just because they don't know what in the world is going on. Now, I mentioned there's another kind of fam uh, generational trauma and that has to do with what are called epigenetic changes. Now, we all pretty much know that DNA is pretty is stable from generation to generation. However, the environment in which an individual finds him or herself will affect how that DNA is expressed. So for example, if a person has the genetics to be, be tall, well, has certain genetics for height, if the person is not, does not receive the correct nutrition, the person may not reach his or her genetic potential for height. And that is a, a, an example of the environment affecting uh, how the, the genes are expressed. Now, there's also another way that genes can be changed or the expression of genes. And that is through what is called an epigenetic process. That is a process where a certain sort of switch in a particular gene sequence is flipped. And that, that flip, that switch flip, can be passed down through the generations. I'm gonna give you an, an example. This is a about a mouse study that was done uh, 10 years ago in 2013. What the researchers did was they took some mice. They had a control group and they had another group that they trained to be afraid of the smell of cherry blossoms. Now cherry blossoms, uh, that odor is not one that mice tend to run into. So the, the way one would teach mice to be afraid of that sort of smell is uh, have a device. You have food over here and an electric grid. And so whenever the mice would try to get to the food, 
the odor of cherry blossom would come down. And as the mice tried to get to the food, they would be shocked, shocked. And the mice would um, associate the smell of cherry blossoms to the shock. That's pretty much how it would be done. So some mice were trained that way to be afraid of the smell of cherry blossoms. So part of that group of mice um, were bred with some other mice, and these are all male mice. So some of the, the mice were bred with some female mice, and some of the other mice were, uh, had their, uh, there was some surgery done to look at brain structure to compare it to the control group's brain structure, and there was no difference at that point in time. Now, mice uh, procreate and produce new mice pretty quickly. So the next set of mice that came from the mating of the male mice who had been afraid of the cherry blossoms scent, uh, when they were exposed to the cherry blossom scent, and they had never ever smelled it before because they were just brand new mice, they were afraid of the cherry blossom scent. They showed the same aversion that their, their parent mice had but they had never been exposed to it. They had not ever been shocked in the presence of that smell. And when the researchers looked at the, some of the brain structures of those mice versus control mice, there were some actual changes in the brain structure. So to continue to the next generation, some of the mice who were averse to the cherry blossom smell were mated with some other mice. And that third generation also was afraid of the cherry blossom smell. But when the surgery was done, the dissection, the brain structures had gone back to the way they had been before. And then in the fourth generation of mice, there was no more aversion to cherry blossoms. So, what that shows is that the changes can happen and get carried down about three generations. Now, one can say, well, how does that affect humans? If you think about it, we can say that any trauma that one's grandmother has while she's pregnant is going to affect you. And the reason for that is we know traumas that a pregnant woman has stress, uh, fall, down fall down the stairs, etc., can affect the fetus as, and as the fetus comes out as a baby. But we also know that a female fetus inside her mother will have all of the eggs that she will ever produce within her at that point in time, meaning you as an egg will be in your mom as a fetus in your grandmother. And your grandmother gets stressed out, gets hurt somehow, produces certain hormones and chemicals in her body, like her cortisol level goes up high because she is scared about something that will affect the fetus. Fetuses will respond, their cortisol levels go up too, and therefore affect whatever development is going on with that fetus, and potentially you as an egg. 
And we've also seen research that indicates that men who are also traumatized, will, that trauma will affect their sperm. So say you have uh, your grandmother uh, is suffering traumas from several generations back with her. She gets pregnant, her husband uh, or whomever she um, has sex with and gets pregnant, uh, that person, that man has also had trauma which affects his sperm. You end up with sort of a double whammy there because the trauma affected sperm interacting with a trauma infected uh, egg creating a trauma infected fetus. And so you can see it kind of spirals. And so the message is, you know what? It doesn't necessarily have to start with you in terms of your experience of trauma. It can, ex it can happen even before you were, were ever born. It can start with generations before you. And that, that's something to keep in mind that when you're trying to figure out what's going on, why am I so anxious? What is it? What is giving me these kinds of sensations? Well, it may not be you. And there's a really good book about these kinds of issues. It's called, It May Not Have Started With You. And it's by an author by the name of Mark Wolin. He has done a lot of research in the area of family systems. And um, much of what I'm telling you now, I got through that book and from uh, a several day workshop that I took with, with him. And so these are things to keep in mind that again, it's not necessarily you for the reason why you have these feelings and anxieties and uh, hypervigilance. Okay, there's a whole lot more about that, but I'm trying to keep it brief as usual. So in the, in the chat, uh, in whatever comments, I can go into more at a later date if you wish. You know, whatever you want, I can talk about. So remember I told you last time about the uh, devices for helping with the calm, changing the brain waves to help calm you down. And I showed you the, the soda bio tuner. Uh, well, uh, I also mentioned that the ones that are produced in the US, such as the Alpha Stim and the Fisher Wallace devices, need prescriptions. Turns out the Fisher-Wallace one, they will generate you a prescription online. All you have to do is answer a few questions like, do you have problems sleeping? Do you feel anxious? Uh, if you say yes, they will generate a prescription for you and send it to you, you know, sell you one anyway. So I went ahead and got one just to show you another choice. So here's the Fisher-Wallace device. Let me uncurl the thing and has a couple of pads on the ends that they're yellow. They're, they're, they are sponges. You can get them all wet, keep them in the little case things, and you put them right here on your, um, right at the top of your cheekbones uh, and, it, and it gets everything really wet. And then they send this Velcro headband thing that's put on around to hold them in place, kind of like that. I'm not going to do that because it ends up being kind of messy. And then 
you have a little controller that you turn on and there's some options in terms of whether you want the um, waves to be continuous or variable. Uh, takes a couple of batteries, they send the batteries and it has a timer in it, works, stays on for 20 minutes. They suggest doing it a couple of times a, times a day. Uh, and should help with anxiety and sleep uh, problems after a couple of weeks. Now, it may work really well, but I have problems using it for one major reason. I wear glasses. To use that particular device, I would have to take off my glasses and then I would have to sit there for 20 minutes just waiting for it to be done. So for me, it's not a very useful device. I will be trying it out every now and then, but uh, again, it is not something I would use consistently. I would probably be more likely to use the BioTuner just because it clips my ears. Next week, I will show you some more complicated, well, not complicated, but uh, more useful devices in my uh, estimation, which one can buy uh, through, the, through the mail. And also next time, I'm going to start talking about the relationship to addiction and trauma. Now, why do they seem to go together? I kind of touched on it at the very beginning when I talked about the uh, ACEs uh, study and uh, the questionnaire. So if you want to go review that, that's a good thing to do. And if you have any questions or comments, please, please leave them below and subscribe, give me a thumbs up, pass this information along to your friends and family that whom you think might need it. Um, and so until next time, bye and see you again.